Today we are continuing in our series called Exposing the Enemy. Uh, this is week two and last week in our, uh, in our series. Well, let me say this. If you went with us last week, if you're our guest today, again, we're, we're looking at uh, the different names and titles of our enemy, uh, the devil, and we, so we can expose him and be victorious over him. As I said last week, this is not a devil-glorifying uh, series. It's a God-glorifying series. And so last week, we looked at the origins of our enemy. We saw that God created him. He was a beautiful and powerful angel uh, that was assigned to oversee worship in heaven. But then he got filled with pride. He began to look to himself and wanted to be like God. Or Actually, the Bible says he wanted his throne to exceed that of, of the throne of God, so he got kicked out of heaven. Um, I showed you from scriptures how the enemy still uses pride today as a main weapon to attack this and attack us and how humility is not the antidote to pride worship is because we see that that satan went from worshiping to pride not humility to pride and so um a brother in the church reminded me after the, the last week to drive this point home uh that and, and i looked over it again this morning and i mean there's so many so much good stuff in there but he reminded me when jesus was tempted in the wilderness the third thing that, that the devil told uh, Jesus was, if I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you bow down and worship me. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you should worship the Lord your God only. And at that moment when he made that declaration is when the devil fled. Amen? So not only does worship uh, help us with humility, again, worship is a main weapon against the enemy to defeat and overcome him. Amen? Um, and another lady, uh, an sister in the church, she's a, she's a teacher. She told me last week, she said, hey, I'm a teacher. I just realized that I, the letter I, is, is right there smack dab in the middle of the word pride. Isn't that true? And I said that about what pride does is you focus on yourself. And so as a teacher, she pointed it out. So, so thank you. So I love how people just come and confirm that. And, and, and so instead of focusing on ourselves, which leads to pride, we need to focus on the Lord, especially through worship. And that's why even we kind of changed. We used to do baptisms on Wednesday nights, but we feel like baptisms are such a, a, such a celebratory time. And we want more of the whole church to be here and we can worship and praise the Lord at the same time as celebrating with those being baptized, right? It's so powerful. So today in week two, we're going to expose Satan. And that's the title of this message, Exposing Satan. Like I said, every name and title of the devil has meaning. And that's why I'm taking four weeks to look at different, the Bible, different meanings of what the Bible calls and names and labels them. So Satan means adversary or opponent. And as we say, he is our enemy. He's our adversary. First Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let's pray over our time in the Word. Father, thank you for what you've done already through worship, through baptism. Now, Lord, I pray that you would help us through your Word, Lord God. We know that you have given us authority over all the powers of the enemy. So, Lord, right now, I just take authority over this service. We cancel every plans uh, against us. We just, uh, of the enemy right now, in Jesus' name, we come against any more distractions, and we just ask that you would clear out the airways and the spiritual realm so we can hear, receive, and more importantly, apply this word to our lives. Help me, Holy Spirit, to clearly preach your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, the second part of that says that the, the, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The word may means permission. If it said who he can devour, can would mean ability. So what it's, he's not saying he's looking uh, uh, who he has the ability to overcome. 
are to devour, but who he may uh, uh, devour, meaning he's looking for somebody to give him permission, to give him permission to allow them to come into his life. Look at what Ephesians 6, 10, and 13 says, because we're going to get into that, which we call open doors, towards the end of our message. A final word, it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. He's saying, look, we got enemies, but they're not made of flesh and blood. They're not people but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. See, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is using symbolism of a Roman soldier preparing for battle against his enemy. But he's saying, listen, again, it's not you don't pick up a real armor and a real sword and, and, and all these things. Our enemy is spiritual. Amen. In the heavenly places, that actually means in the spiritual realm is where our enemy and his cohorts reside. He's saying, put on your armor because we're fighting against the real enemy. Remember last week I said there was a survey done years ago that 60% of Christians don't even believe that the devil is real. It's easy for an enemy to defeat someone if they don't believe that person exists. Or that enemy exists, right? I, I feel like the Lord just gave me something, reminded me of the first service that if, you know, I, I've always been into history and military documentaries and stuff. One of the most effective weapons uh, or person in the military is a sniper because they don't even know where the sniper's at or that he's even there until he starts picking people off. We have to know that our enemy exists and that he's real, right? Look at Luke 10, 17, 20. I, I, I read part of this last week, but talking about Satan, I love how the Amplified hones it in. It says, the 70 returned with jar, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, him being Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. And he, he goes on to say, listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all of the power of the enemy. And it says here, Satan. I don't know if y'all can see it on the side, but if you, you can follow along on our app, by the way, our church app. You can download it now. All the notes are there. He says, I've given you, you, you possess it and you have the ability to exercise it. We're going to talk about that in a minute, though. But not every believer exercises that authority. And nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that sub spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love that, too. We have authority over the enemy, but that shouldn't be our main focus. We should rejoice that we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. Amen? But we do need to know this as well. Jesus told us that for a, a reason. Remember, we have the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. I had to start at the first service too. You know, I have a member here. I'm a member of, of a local gym here in town. So I have the authority to walk in and out of that gym whenever I want. I just don't exercise that authority as often as I should. I don't exercise the authority to exercise, right? So it, I possess the membership. I have the app on my phone that I scan, but I have to use that authority to make a difference in my life, in my physical body, right? We're going to see in a little while that not everybody does that, but also how to do it. So we all have an enemy who is Satan, and we all have authority over him. But we need to learn what the Bible says by using the Bible, what we can do to defeat and overcome him. In today's message, I want to ask 
and answer three questions that a lot of people asked. You may have thought one of all of these, and I'm going to give you the three questions that I'll answer them individually. Number one, why is Satan our enemy or, or why is he our adversary? Two, why can Satan defeat some people and not others? And three, how can we protect ourselves and our families against Satan? So now let me answer them one at a time. Number one, Satan is our enemy simply because we belong to Jesus. When you belong, if you are a born-again believer, a child of the Most High God, when you make that decision, Satan becomes your enemy. The reason why is because Satan is the enemy of truth. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And Jesus is the eternal word of God, and Satan absolutely hates that. Because we'll see in a minute, he's a liar and the father of lies. In Acts 26, the Apostle Paul is telling us what happened when Jesus met him on the road, the Damascus road, and, and how he got saved, how he got born again. Listen to what Jesus tells the Apostle Paul during this encounter. Acts 26, 17 and 18. I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. We see that right when Paul encounters Jesus and gets saved, God gives him his calling. And he said it's to turn people from darkness to light, which, by the way, side note, that's still our calling today, church. All of us are called to turn people from the darkness to the light. Well, we know Jesus is the light, right? He says that, and he is the living word. John tells us he's the eternal living word, word in the flesh. So we know the light is the word of God. The book of Psalm tells us this as well, and we'll see that in a minute. See, Satan is full of lies and deception, which operates in darkness. So let me make this statement. If you're not living by the word of God, Satan isn't your adversary. He's actually your master. He's actually your master. But when you give your life to the Lord Jesus, Satan becomes your adversary. See, Jesus tell Paul to turn people from the darkness to light. And he said, when you do this, you're turning people from one dominion to another dominion, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Let me make this statement as well. You're under the dominion of the person whose uh, advice you're following. Whose ever advice you're following and you're influenced by is whose dominion you're under. So people are either following the advice of Satan and his lies and deception, or are they following the truth of the word of God and under God's dominion? You see, this is another big deception in our world. People think you can be neutral. There's no neutrality when it comes to God and Satan. And we'll see that again in a minute. But he makes it clear you're either in darkness or you're in light. You're either following the ways of the enemy, whether you're deceived and thinking you're not, but you are, or you're following the truth of the word of God. When you're walking in lies, you're walking in the Satan's dominion. This next scripture I'm about to read is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And this drives this point home, how you can't be neutral here. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Listen to this. This is the spiritual leaders of the day. The top Jewish spiritual leaders in all of Israel. And he's having this conversation with them. They're accusing him of having sin and being demon-possessed and all this kind of stuff. And listen to what Jesus says. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm, excuse me, since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Listen to what Jesus says. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you list, you don't listen because you don't belong to God. See, there's people that belong to God, children of God. And I say this often. If you've been at this church any amount of time, I often say that this drives home. The truth is we're not all God's children. Some people say that, oh, yeah, we're all God's children and everything. No, we're all God's creation. And Jesus died. He loves us so much that he died for us. But we become children of God when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Jesus goes on to say you're either a father, a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Does your Bible say the same thing as mine? There's no neutrality there. There's no like, well, I'm in between. I'm just in the middle. I'm not choosing sides. Whether you choose a side or not, you're on a side. Come on, that was the Holy Ghost right there. Whether you choose a side or not, you're on a side. You're either a child of the enemy or you're a child of God. Praise God. And listen, we all have the ability or, or the opportunity to be a child of the light, right? A child of God. So when you belong to God, you're living in the truth. Satan is your adversary because he hates the truth. It's like this. You may have heard this illustration. You know, if you ever seen a major sporting event or a, a, maybe a major, uh, uh, um, like evangelistic outreach, like Ron Hart Bunky or, or, or Billy Graham, and they did these crusades with thousands of people. I mean, millions, not even, millions of people, just crowds of people all the way as far as the eye can see. If there's a crowd of people sitting down, you're like, we were all sitting down in that crowd before we came to Christ. And when you made the decision to come to Jesus, it's like you stood up out of that crowd and the enemy recognized you. And at that moment is when you became his adversary, right? But that's how. It's when we belong, when we make that decision. See, Satan wasn't worried about you and me before we got saved. Why? Because I was following all his lies. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was living an immoral life. I was full of lies, telling lies, had a, had a filthy mouth, right? And so he, he, he wasn't my adversary. I was on his team. But when I walked that altar almost 19 years ago next month, and I stood up literally right here and declared Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I, I literally stood up and, be, and I became uh, an adversary. He became my adversary. You know what? I much rather belong to the Lord than belong to the enemy. Because guess what? I know I have authority, and I know that we win. I know we can defeat him, and we can be victorious. Not that we're not going to get attacked. Not that we're not going to have battles. We're talking about all this. But I'm trying to encourage you today, you don't have to stay getting beat up by the enemy. Amen? Even though he's our adversary, I'm just giving you a little background. It's because you belong to Jesus. Because you declared your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So Satan becomes our adversary on the day we declare the Lord Jesus as our Savior. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you haven't made the decision today, I'm going to give you an opportunity just a few minutes to do that. Secondly, Satan, why does Satan defeat some people? Satan defeats some people because they're not actively using the word of God. In other words, they're not exercising their authority. You remember the scripture I read earlier? He said that you have authority. You now possess authority over all the powers of the enemy. And he said you have the ability to possess them. Some people are not exercising that ability, and that's why they're defeated by the enemy. Again, Satan opposes. Now we're really turning the corner on, on, on the Word of God. He opposes us because we believe the Word of God when we're totally committed to the Word of God. So the way to overcome him is by the Word of God. I referenced it earlier. In, in the, uh, in, in the, uh, uh, in the, uh, desert, excuse me, 
I used a lot of words already today. In the wilderness, we see this. Let me give you a couple examples, and this is the first one. I'm going to read it. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus said this. Therefore, everyone who hears what I say and obeys it, his word, will be like a wise person who built a house on the rock. Rain poured and floods came. Winds blew and beat against that house. But it did not collapse because its foundation was on rock. Everyone who hears what I say but doesn't obey it, his word, will be like a foolish person who built a house on sand. Rain poured and floods came. Winds blew and struck that house and it collapsed. And the result was a total disaster. Any of us in South Louisiana can get that picture in our head real quick, right? A hurricane, a flood, how quickly it destroys uh, a dwelling place, right? Jesus uses this illustration, but he's talking about our lives. That some people build their house on, on sand because they're not obeying the word of God. They're not following the word of God. But if we do, we're building our house on the rock. Let me tell you this, and this is a fact. Everybody in this building and on this planet is building their life on something. You're building your life on some information you got along the way or that you're getting right now. It may be information from friends, family, maybe books that you've read. It may be the Internet. It may be something you watched on TV. We're all building our lives on something, either rock or sand. So let me ask this question. Why do people build their life? Why would they choose to build their life on the sand? Let me ask another question. Most of us have been to the beach. Some of you have been to the beach already this week. I mean, this year, right? Let me see your hand, if you beach goers. All right, I had a few. Be- I know. Be, don't be proud of it. I went to the beach, right? Let me ask you a question. Those of you just got back or have been there, when you go to the beach, have you ever seen anybody laying on rock? Have you ever seen that? No. People lay on the sand, right? So why would people build their house on the sand? I said that for a reason. Three reasons. Because sand is popular, right? Sand is comfortable. And this is the biggie. Sand is conformable. When you lay down in the sand, what happens when you get up? You see an outline of yourself. Sand is conformable, right? So a lot of people build their house on the sand because they want to custom Jesus. They want to pick and choose what they can take out of the word of God and what they can't, what they're living for and what not. So let me say it this way. They want a conformable Christianity. They want a Christianity that conforms to their lifestyle. That's why they build their house on the sand. It's unfortunate because the problem with sand, no matter how popular or comfortable or conformable it is, it's unreliable. And we see that every time a hurricane blows through the Gulf Coast, right? The, the, the coastline gets deteriorated. They got to try to build it up, bring in more sand. It's unreliable. See, we, we, if there wasn't any storms in life, we can build our life on whatever we want. But the truth is, the storms are going to come. For many of you in this room, the storms have come already. And if you're younger, you say, well, man, I've had, if not, the storms are going to, they're going to come eventually, right? Jesus never said we wouldn't have these storms. He told us we would. That's why he told us to build our lives on the rock of the word of God. He said, if you listen to my words and obey them, remember, it's not just hearing. You can come to church week in and week out and hear every sermon on the planet, especially with podcasts and YouTube and all of these things. He said, and obey them. He says in another scripture, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. It's, it's us obeying the word is, is how we build our life on the rock. You know, I think about my wife and I, you know, um, 
from the very beginning, our, our relationship was based on the love of God and the word of God. Matter of fact, I mean, I, we, we, we got to know each other and hung out for the first time two months after I got saved. I know some people in the church thought she was crazy. Like, hey, boy, just got saved. What's wrong with you? You know, but we were just friends. But I remember when we started liking each other and got serious and started courting, some of her friends asked her, like, well, man, what is, what is Brandon into? Like, what is he like? And I know some of her friends thought she was being super spiritual. And he's like, man, she's like, really? I don't know. We, all we do is talk about God. She's like, I mean, I know he likes football and stuff, but, and they're like, oh, come on. You got to know something. But the truth is, is our relationship has always been founded on the word of God, the love for God, the love for Jesus and the word of God. Yes. Amen. Now, I appreciate you clapping, but let me just be real. Our marriage hasn't been perfect. We've had some problems in our marriage, but we're still together today and our marriage is even stronger because it's still being built on the word of God. Amen. So if you're married in here, I want to encourage you. If you're having problems in here, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've been building your marriage on Dr. Phil and Oprah. Start building it on the word of God. Amen. Start building it on the principles of the, that's the solid rock. That's the foundation for both marriage and parenting. If your parents in here, I want to encourage you. Parent your children. Remember, we're talking about exposing the enemy. When you do this, this is the way you protect and defend and keep the enemy out of your marriage and out of your children. Now, it's not foolproof. He's going to attack us, right? I'm talking about defeating him and not being beat up and not being constantly defeated. If you have children, I heard about a couple, Christian couple. They decided to raise their children on the philosophy of a book that a psychologist, a popular psychologist had read many, wrote many books, and they raised their children according to these books instead of the Word of God. Twenty years later, when those children grew up, they said that their dad was a liar and a fraud, and he never did the things that he wrote in those books. So after their kids were grown, they had built or really raised their children on false information, on bad information. How many of y'all know, I know this is an iPad, but the Word of God's on it. The Word of God is gonna is eternal. Jesus said, even though you know heaven and earth pass away, my word will never pass away. There's fads, there's books, there's podcasts, and I'm not saying they're all bad. I mean, you can get some good tips, but if it lines up with the word of God, if it's way out in left field, next month they're gonna have something that's gonna be in the other field, right? We we gotta raise our children according to that. So the word is our foundation. The word is also our sword. Again, we're talking about exposing the enemy and, and and let's go back to that symbolism that the apostle Paul talked about in Ephesians 6. Let's read 13 and 17 now. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Remember, this is battle attire here, so you'll be able to resist the enemy, right? We keep talking back. We're exposing the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, come on, it, that's we're in a battle, church. You will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Again, the enemy will try to attack us. Put on salvation as your helmet. And look at this. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I believe the apostle Paul saved the best for last. And it's the only offensive weapon that he lists is the Bible. Everything else is defensive. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the only offensive thing that he mentions here, right? We know either in battle or in sports, if you just play defense, you're never going to win. Isn't that right? You'll never win. you you got to be on the offensive as well. Look at what Hebrews says about the sword. 
The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one whom we will be held accountable. Come on, I was reading that this morning. That's a whole other message right there in the second part, right? We have to realize how powerful the word of God is. I, I mentioned, I referenced Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. He had fasted for 40 days, hadn't eaten anything. As long as I've ever fasted is a 21-day fast, and I've done some pretty strict ones, but 40 days without eating. Come on, y'all. If I go 40 hours without eating, I'm like, I'm cranky, right? I'm, I'm like, I don't feel. But think about how, he, just let's just think physically. Remember, even though he's the son of God, he was 100% human. Think about Jesus not eating anything for 40 days. He had to be physically exhausted. He was probably almost skin and bones. He probably lost so much weight, was depleted. So when the devil came to tempt him, what did he use? He used the word of God. Three times he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He used the word of God. So what does that tell us, church? Even in our darkest time, our lowest moments, when we're hurting, when we're tired, when, even when we're sick, we don't need to muster up our own energy. We need to use the sword of the spirit. We need to use the word of God. Amen? We have to realize this. We have to realize how powerful the word is. You got to know the word, get the word in you and speak the word. Listen, I'm going to put it another way. A four-year-old child is just as powerful as a seasoned preacher when they're using the word of God. Because it's not originated with the person, it's the word of God. And again, if we're born again, we have that authority, right? We have the authority to exercise and use the sword. Let me say this. Before the devil can defeat you, he has to disarm you. So that's why the devil is so good and, and is so okay with you just keeping your Bible in a shelf somewhere, on the coffee table, having a Bible app or two on your iPad or your iPhone, but you never open it. He's, he's okay with you possessing one if you don't get familiar with it because you know what? You're just arming them. Or, again, you have your sword on your side and you never take it out and swing it. We got to know the word, y'all. We got to get familiar with the word and we have to use it. We need to exercise the authority we have in Jesus' name, with the word of God. How do you do that? Simply listen. If you may be, uh, I mean, you know, again, I was just talking to a family before. I found out that loved one committed suicide. Another young man last week did the same thing. And, you know, if you have thoughts, we talked about last week depression, thoughts of depression and, and suicide. Listen, that is not of the Lord. The Bible says, I will live and not die. That's what you need to tell the enemy, right? I will live and not die. Why? Because God has a purpose and a plan. Or no weapon formed against me shall prosper nor succeed. So many different things. Greater is he that is in me, meaning the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world. Those are just some scriptures that, you, you know, when you get the word in you and the enemy starts lying to you. Remember I set this up by saying he's the liar and the father of lies? Whispers that you should kill yourself, people be better off than you, is a lie from the pit of hell. And you need to know that. You need to know that. I wasn't planning on saying that today, but I just sensed that I needed to say that in this service. Somebody's been being lied to in here that you would be better off or people would be better off without you. And it's a lie from the enemy. And I just want to speak prophetically that you will live and not die in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You need to know the word. You got to get the word in you. So when these lies are whispered to you, you're never going to make it. Maybe depression, hopelessness, maybe it's a physical issue. You got to stand on the word of God. Another thing, again, Hebrews 12, 4, 12, 
We read every other book. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that this book reads us. It exposes our thoughts and our every intention and desire. And he says we're all going to be held accountable to the Lord. But you see, it exposes these lies from the enemy as well. You see, when you start thinking things that are contrary to God's word and who you are and how he created you, his plan, his destiny for you, that's why we want you to, to, to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. See, he don't want you to, to know any four of those things. But you know what? When you start reading the word of God, you realize, man, no, you know what? This is not what God says about me. I do have a plan. I do have a destiny, right? I do, you know, Jeremiah says that these plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil. Man, God has it out for me. That's not what the Bible says, right? Now, if you come again, if you come to know the Lord, you belong to him, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. The word is not only foundation, it's also in the sword, it's also a light. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is like a, a, a lamp that guides my step. A light that shows the path I should take. Now look at verse 10. The wicked try to trap me, but I have not disobeyed your instructions. Listen, every day the devil is trying to set traps for us. Every single day. And the word of God illuminates those traps that are set. And I promise you, even more now than ever with these things in the internet, there's traps being set left and right pretty much every minute of the day. And when you're in the word, it helps you to see, or through whatever it be relationships, whatever it be, whatever it may be, it lights up the way. Let me give you another illustration, and it's actually that that uh, that little duck quacking was right on time. I'm a duck hunter, <laughs> and so um, some mornings we get in a boat to go to the duck blind to go hunting, and it's pitch black. Like, you, you cannot see anything. So there got to be lights on our boat, but more importantly, a spotlight. Some of it are called a Q-beam. And when we get in that boat, we have to have somebody, either the person driving the boat or the person in front, shining a light through those dark waterways to make sure there's not anything sticking out of the water that can damage our boat or harm or even kill us. That's the picture here. It's a light to, to guide us, uh, 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 to guide us through dangerous waterways and the dangerous journey of life to make sure we're not damaged. You don't damage your marriage, your home, or harm yourself, or the, the enemy can harm you or others. So Satan is our adversary, but we have a foundation, a sword, and a spotlight in the Word of God. And when we use it, we are victorious. Amen? The third and final thing, we protect ourselves, of course, with the Word of God, but by being totally committed to God's Word. Yes, we're exercising it. We, we need to know we possess it. We know that the Lord possesses us. We belong to the Lord. That's why he's our adversary. We have to exercise the authority of the word of God. But you got to be totally committed to God's word. The scripture I'm about to read is the Apostle Paul talking to the church about events that will happen prior to the Lord's second coming. 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 and 10. Then the man of, of lawlessness needs to, will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Listen to this. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that can save them. Now it's interesting, this word love here, is the word agape. A lot of us are familiar with the word agape. But one of the meanings of the word agape, and especially here, it means a total commitment regardless of how you feel in the circumstances. So when he says they refuse to love the truth, they don't have a total commitment to the word of God is what he's saying. 
That's why people will be deceived. That's why people will be destroyed. And, and specifically, people that don't know the Lord, they'll be deceived because they don't have a total commitment to God's word. What am I talking about? I'm talking about what I mentioned earlier about the sand. When you build your life on the sand and it's, it's conformable, you're not totally committed. You're picking and choosing. Well, I want to do this, but not that. I want to, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever it may be. If you're totally committed to God's word, you can expose all kind of evil in your own life and in the enemy. Look at what, what Jesus said in Mark 8, 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. We have to be totally committed to the word and have to take this serious in our homes, families, work, even in recreation. Oh, this is just something I do on the side as a, listen, are we totally committed to live by the word of God, not just in church on Sundays or when other Christians are, are watching? I knew I wouldn't get no amen there. Totally committed, having integrity. Matter of fact, the Bible says integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Are you totally committed to the word of God when nobody's looking? Are you living your life according to holiness and purity in Jesus when nobody's looking? According to his word, we must, our words must conform to his word. Instead of us trying to get the Bible to conform to us, we need to conform our thoughts and our words to his. Our decisions in everyday life need to be based on the Bible. I mentioned this earlier. For years, and we didn't do it this year, but uh, or, or actually last year and, 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 and or this year, and we're going to start back up next year. But we, we've done what we've called encounter retreats for years or then freedom weekends. And we've delved into this, uh, these topics even deeper. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing a whole series on it on a Sunday morning. But there's, there's something that's known and we truly believe what's called open doors. And you remember, go back to first Peter 5, 8, when he says he's prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone he may devour. You remember I mentioned that? Someone who will give him permission. When we're not totally committed to the word of God and making our life decisions based on God's word, we open doors in our life and just ask the enemy to come right on in. You don't know you're doing that, right? Just like if you leave the door open and you don't know one of your kids left the door open, you know what? They got all kind of mosquitoes coming in now, right? Where he's like, well, man, where did all these mosquitoes come from? Well, well, somebody opened the door and you didn't know about it. We sometimes unknowingly open the door when we're not co totally committed to God's word. Because it can be through everything, through your own lies, deceptions you're living in, believing. It could be media, it could be music, it could be uh, immoral uh, relationship or lifestyle uh, or, or some kind of bondage of some sort. That's why we must be totally committed to God's Word. Y'all tracking with me this morning, church? If we do have a total commitment to God's Word, we'll overcome the enemy and live in victory the way God has intended. Again, this is not a devil-glorifying series. God intended us to be victorious over our enemy. Amen? So, I heard somebody say, if the enemy would read the book, he would know how all this thing ends, right? We win. We get the victory. Yes, we still, he attacks us. We still have these battles. But it, it, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you through today and through this whole series that you shouldn't be worried or even concerned about any attack of the enemy. Because you have authority over all the powers of the enemy. You have the word of God as your sword. That's the way you exercise that, uh, that, that authority, the ability to do that. Build your house, your home, your life on the foundation of the word. Let the word guide your life through the dark rivers and, and, and valleys, so to speak, of life where you don't know he's setting traps. 
get the word in you, get a hunger for the word of God is what I want to pray here in a minute as we close. But I want you to just close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a series of questions or just a few questions as we close. But I want you to close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Nobody moving around. Either put your phone or your iPad Bible notes down. What is the foundation on your life? You remember I said all of us are building our lives on something? On some information we received or we're receiving right now. What are you building your life on? Is the foundation, is it the rock or the word of God? Or is it some shifting sand that's comfortable and popular and conformable? And are you totally committed to God's word? Have you been used in his word? Have you been exercising the authority that Jesus has given you? And then the last question, do you belong to Jesus? Remember, we're starting, we're finishing where we started. The devil's our, the Satan is our adversary because we belong to him. Jesus made it clear, not everybody belongs to, to the Lord. Some are actually children of the devil, but some of us are children of God. Again, I'm a part of a service this afternoon for a 32 year old young man. Some of you are young in here and you think, oh, I got all my life to deal with that. But guess what? There's people just like that that are spending Lonnie. I mean, that, that's fighting for his life right now. A healthy guy. He was in church a few weeks ago. I saw him and he got COVID, double pneumonia. Now he's in. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying, y'all, things happen and we need to be prepared. Who do you belong to? And more importantly, who you belong to will decide where you spend eternity. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, Man, if that was me, that was my service this afternoon. I don't know where I would spend eternity. Really, I, I, I come to church and, and, and I haven't read the Bible, but I don't know if I, if I belong to God. I don't know if I'm a child of God, but I want to be sure today. I want to make a decision to give my life to Christ. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. We're going to pray. Ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else over here in the front, in the back? Young people raising their hand in the back, sir, all the way in the back. See you. Anybody? Keep your hand high. If you raise your hand, I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else over here to my right? Thank you. Thank you for being both. I see you, but more importantly, God sees you right here in the middle. Young people, I love it, sir. I see your hand. Amen. Anybody else? Anyone else? We're all going to pray together. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. That word believe means to trust. When you do that, he, he says, hey, this one belongs to me. Let's pray. We're going to all pray together. Just say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, now help me today to live for you and to exercise the authority that I have over our enemy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning or this afternoon. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says uh, connection card. Fill that card out. Bring it to the info center. We got a Bible for you. We want to help you and pray with you on your journey. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? And as we close in prayer, I know I asked you those questions now as I believe you did maybe some self-inventory or the Holy Spirit helped you as you were taking inventory. Why don't you close your eyes with me one more time and, and let's pray. Now, I hope everybody belongs to the Lord. And so we have an enemy. We have an adversary. His name's Satan. 
but we have authority over him. So let me ask. Come on, let's begin to ask the Lord to give us more of a hunger for his word. Amen. Like a lot of you may be physically hungry right now. You're like, come on, brother, wrap it up. It's time to eat, right? Just like you may have physical hunger, let's ask the Lord for a hunger for his word. Amen. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, we'd have more of a hunger for the word of God. Lord, I know it's not just some some token thing we do because we're Christians. It's our very lifeline, Lord. We want a hunger to get in your word, to learn your word, to know your word so, so we can build our lives. Come on, let's pray. Maybe you haven't been building your life on the rock of, of Jesus Christ and his teachings. Come on, let's, let's ask the Lord, would you give me grace, Lord, to apply your word, not only learn it, but to apply that we build our marriage, our children, our homes, our careers, our health, our recreation, Lord, on the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I pray that we would move away from the sifting, shifting sand and build on the solid rock. Now, Lord, help us to take up the sword of the Spirit and use the authority we have to defeat our enemy. We thank you, Lord God, that your Word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we pray we would rise up as men and women of God, as warriors in the house of God and beyond in our own homes, that we would be victorious over the enemy. Lord, give us all grace, strength, great uh, provision, and the power to walk in that authority and that anointing today. I pray your, your blessing be upon all these as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. We love y'all. Hey, if you need specific prayer for anything, we'll be down here. If not, God bless you. We'll see you soon.